was, uh, was in the national news in 2018, you might remember it, um, Mike and, or Mark and Christina Rotondo uh, brought a lawsuit against their son, Michael. Uh, that lawsuit wasn't to seek compensation or monetary damages or anything like that. In fact, the Rotondos had offered their son $1,100. At the time, Michael was 30 years old. He was living in the bedroom that he had grown up in, and he spent all of his days in his parents' basement playing video games, and he just didn't see any good reason to get a good job or to leave. And finally, with no other course of action to open, uh, open to them, they had told them on several occasions that he needed to leave and he ignored them, the Rotondos took Michael to court to have him evicted. And it's the normal and natural course as children grow up that they become more and more independent of their parents. Oh, sure, there's extenuating circumstances. You could have disability or uh, extended illness. But for the most part, maturity means outgrowing dependence on one's parents because one's parents aren't going to be around forever. And that's the way it naturally works. It's not, however, the way it supernaturally works. And the Bible tells us that we can become the children of God. That indicates that that's not what we naturally are. We can become the children of God. And one of the great privileges of that is that we can call God our Father. And if that was the only thing that we knew about our relationship with God, we might think, that God wanted us to grow in our independence of Him. But nothing could be further from the truth. While physical and mental maturity means growing in our independence from our parents, spiritual maturity means growing in our dependence upon God. And Jesus told us a memorable metaphor to fix that in our minds. I'd like to read it to you today from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. This is Jesus speaking, and this is the Word of God. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. And Father, we pray today for your Holy Spirit to fill us. We pray that by your word, that our lives would be to your glory, that we'd bear much fruit, that we'd show ourselves to be Jesus' disciples, and that, Father, that we would grow in that to your great glory, for our good, and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, at 30 years old, when Michael Rotondo's parents evicted him, he had to grow up fast. And when Jesus left his disciples, they had to grow up fast. They weren't expecting it. He'd been telling them for three years, but they weren't expecting it. But unlike Michael's situation, spiritual maturity means growing in dependence. And Jesus tells us here what that looks like. If you want to grow in spiritual maturity, don't resist God's pruning. My brother recently uh, shared a book with me that he benefited from because, you know, my kids are grown now, his kids are grown now, so the, the book is entitled Doing Life with Your Adult Children. The subtitle is, pretty much sums up the book, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. And, and the advice is pretty much, don't give your adult children advice unless the situation directly involves you or they ask for it. Because they need to do their own thing without your input, help, or your sagely wisdom. Because they need to establish their independence. They, they, they need to grow up and come to maturity. And that's, that's necessary. To grow in maturity means growing in independence. That's how it naturally works, but it's not how it supernaturally works. Spiritual maturity means accepting God's interference in your life. Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the vine, and he's talking there about the, the, the trunk of a, of a grapevine. I'm the vine, and you're the branches, the tendrils off of which grow leaves and fruit. And Jesus says that it's the work of the Father. He says, my Father is the gardener to clear out the dead wood. And it's God's word that is most often his pruning shears. We see that time and time again in the Gospels, don't we? People follow Jesus. You know, Jesus had told a parable about a sower who went out to sow some seeds, some fell on rocky soil, some uh, the road, some shallow soil, right? And we, we see these various things of, 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 of people that grow up for a time, but they, they have no depth of root, and they don't last. And time and time again in the Gospels, we see people following Jesus, following Jesus right up until the time they understand what Jesus is actually saying. And then they turn from following. And some of you have witnessed that with people, haven't you? People, why they seem to make a good showing. They look like they're following Jesus. Right up until the time it begins to dawn on them what it is that Jesus is actually saying. 
and what he actually requires of them. And, and friends, it's a sad thing when we see, see people fall away from the Lord. But Jesus told us it was going to happen. I'm the true vine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. But I want you to note that God clears away the dead wood, not merely from his church, but he clears away the dead wood from our individual lives as well, from your individual life. He says, well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And and God clears the dead wood out of our lives by two means. The first of those, again, is his word. Jesus goes on to say, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And I want to point out something to you that's hard for us to see in our English translations. I suppose if they had translated this very literally, it would sound funny in English. But when uh, we're told that, um, that, that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then he says, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. The word prunes and the word clean in the Greek text are the same words. That in other words, you've already been pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. If you come to Jesus with any expectation other than that he is going to expose that you have been wrong about absolutely everything and turn your life upside down and start cutting things away from your life, you're not going to last long. I think a lot of people think, well, I can, I can come to Jesus, but I can you know, retain some of this or some of that. Jesus will say, well, that stuff is pretty good. You can have this, but you know, that's not so good. But you know, C.S. Lewis told this great illustration one time, and, and it was this. He said, you know, if I've, got a, if I've got a field of grass, all the mowing in the world will keep the grass neat, but it won't produce wheat. If I want wheat, I've got to dig the whole thing up and replant the field. And that's what coming to Jesus means. But if you've done that, and if your life is bearing real, true, spiritual fruit, it's because you've already been pruned by his word. See, to come to Jesus, you need to give up your own ideas of what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, and you need to submit yourself to his correction. To come to him, you have to give up the idea that you're the one in charge of your life, and you have to submit yourself to him as Lord. To come to him, you have to give up your notion that you could ever justify yourself before God and confess that you have no justification outside of the righteousness of God 
which is found in Christ. And so God prunes us by his word, but it doesn't end there. He continues to prune your life by his word. Because no matter how long you walk with him, no matter how well you know him, your life and mine will continually produce dead wood that needs to be pruned away. You know, I think back some time ago, uh, somebody was asked, and I very much fear for this pastor who, when asked if, um, if his understanding of the Bible had changed at all since he was ordained 25 years ago, he said, no, not one thing has changed. I don't know, maybe he thought he was trying to show himself to be steadfast and immovable or something like that. But the right answer to that question is, of course, by his word, he's been pruning away my self-righteousness and my self-sufficiency over the last 25 years. And I blush to think how poorly I understood his word 25 years ago. And it takes time. In his uh, devotional book on the Psalms, I love the title of this book, by the way, by Eugene Peterson. The title of the book is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And Peterson writes, the assumption today is that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. Well, of course, what else could it be? We have the internet, right? He says, we assume if anything can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. Many claim to have been born again, but evidence for mature Christian discipleship is slim. There's little inclination to sign up for the long apprenticeship in what earlier generations called Christian holiness. Religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site when we have adequate leisure. For some, it is a weekly jaunt to church. For others, occasional visits to special services. The Christian life cannot mature under such conditions and in such ways. God will prune you by his word. And the other means that God uses to prune you is his providential care. That is to say that God will bring things into your life that you don't want, and he'll take things away from you that you do. And let me tell you that when I say that God will bring things into your life that you don't want, I'm not saying that they're all blessings in disguise. Some of them may be, not whitewashing them. Some truly bad things may come into your life. And and the good things that he takes away from you may be truly good, just not good for you at that moment. And in both of those things, he prunes your life so that you'll be more spiritually fruitful if, if you're not like the stiff-necked people that Stephen preached to who were always resisting the Holy Spirit, if you heed Paul's direction uh, to the Thessalonians in his first letter when he told them not to quench the Holy Spirit, if you want to grow in spiritual maturity, don't resist God's pruning. And if you want to grow in spiritual maturity, increase your dependence. 
Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Remain in me and I will remain in you. We could translate that as well. Remain with me. Stay with Christ. He will stay with you. Now, that's exactly what Michael Rotondo's parents didn't want him to do. They didn't want him to stay with them because it was stunting his maturity. But the only way to grow in spiritual maturity is to stay with Jesus, to remain vitally connected to Jesus. Stay with me, abide in me, is the old translation, and I will abide in you. Because like grape tendrils, we can bear no fruit unless we're connected to the trunk. Uh, My wife, for many years, made an attempt at having a grapevine. And we don't have it anymore. I should say we would like not to have it anymore. You cannot kill this thing, right? It keeps growing up. But she was forever out there. And the reason why I say that is because it just makes a mess and the birds just eat all the grapes anyway. And, um, and, and she was always out there following back dead tendrils to see where they were broken off, that there's no vital connection anymore. And with her pruning shears, cutting them away. Like grape tendrils, we can bear no fruit unless we're connected to the trunk. Let me tell you that the biggest mistake that you could make, friends, is to think that apart from Jesus, you can do all things. And do all things apart from Christ. That would be the biggest mistake that you could make. The second biggest mistake you could make would be to think, apart from Jesus, I can do very little. That's the second biggest mistake you can make. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Apart from him, you can bear no spiritual fruit. You can have no spiritual maturity. In fact, you can have no spiritual life. That's not my words. Those are his. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away, and withers. It's a dead branch. He said such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. The difficulty for us is that independence is our natural bent. It's natural for us to grow up and become independent of our parents July will be here before you know it, and we're going to celebrate Independence Day. See, we like this idea of independence. They have these these commercials now on television for uh, senior living communities, and what do they advertise? You can have independent living. We like independence. And, And it's natural. It's natural for people to become independent of their parents, 
but it's a natural perversion for us to want independence from God. You know, telling my Sunday school class this morning, we're the members and inquirers class have been looking a bit at um, mankind um, and God's dealing with him and God's making man. And Genesis one twenty six said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And for two millennia, Christian theologians have noted that there's two aspects to that, that there's this static aspect that the image of God is just what we are by virtue of God's creating us as that, but there's also this dynamic aspect that we are to image God, we're to be like God. And the early theologians saw that in the difference between the words image and likeness, that image was static, but likeness is how we were to live, how we were to behave, and they so that we were to grow in our likeness to God, that we were to more and more reflect the likeness of God. Did you ever notice carefully the words of the tempter in Genesis chapter 3? He comes to the woman and he said, um, God said don't eat that, but, I'm, but I want to tell you why he said that. Because God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you will be like God. The the, the temptation was to be like God, independent from God. On my own, the way that seems good to me. To get the good while leaving God over to the side. In in other words, the temptation was the way to maturity is found in independence from God. And and friends, I want to warn you that stubborn spiritual independence becomes eternal independence. You know, C.S. Lewis said poetically that hell is when people their whole lives reject God's fellowship, reject his love, reject his interference in their lives, and God finally says to them, thy will be done. And if you think that Jesus and his metaphor here, speaking about branches cast into the fire, sounds like a picture of hell, you're right. Stubborn spiritual independence becomes eternal independence. But I want you to understand that Jesus didn't come to corral us as little kids because we couldn't handle our freedom. He came rather to set us free into the freedom of the children of God. He came to remove us from being under the child conductor of the law and allow us to finally grow up into grace. And that means putting away our independence and growing in dependence. St. Augustine said it well when he prayed, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Spiritual maturity means growing in dependence. If you want to be spiritually mature, Don't resist God's pruning. If you want to be spiritually mature, increase your dependence. 
And lastly, Jesus tells us, if you want to grow in spiritual maturity, learn to pray properly. And, you know, as we begin to look at that, I think it will be helpful if we consider how not to pray. Because there's words here, and a lot of people focus on them. They're these words. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Wow, what great words. Just ask whatever you wish. I like that. And it will be given to you. May we read the statement in context, please? If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, right? And he didn't say, now when you pray, pray this way, our Santa Claus in heaven, right? The ask whatever you wish has a context. You know, James, the brother of the Lord, said this. He said, what causes quarrels and fights among you? What causes friction? He says, is it not this, that your passions, what's he talking about? Well, my desires, the things that I, that I want. Your passions are at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. I think they're not literally, people weren't being murdered in the church. But, but boy, you think sometimes of people who have a lot of friction between them that there, are, that there are times when people would think, well, life would be a lot easier if that guy just weren't around anymore. You desire and you don't have, so you murder. If not, not with your hands and your heart. You covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight, you quarrel. And he says, you do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly so that you may gain your passions, your desires. See, there's a context to that, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. What James is talking about here is that people who pray seeking their own wants, their own likes, their own desires, and if they pray at all, they pray with wrong motives. Well, what are the right motives to pray with? Well, according to ancient tradition, we pray the Lord's Prayer together every Sunday. I, I hope you don't repeat those words mindlessly. I, I hope you think about those words. It's good that we say them. They're Scripture. We're memorizing Scripture when we do that. But I hope that you're mindful of what you're praying. What do we pray for? We pray first and foremost for God's name to be regarded as holy. We pray for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done. Well, as our Lord did himself in the garden, he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. We're taught to pray the same way. He tells us that we may ask for the necessities of life reminds us to be, helps us by his spirit to be a forgiving people. And, and to seek 
his aid in keeping us from temptation and evil because we are in ourselves weak. The, the whole prayer is an exercise in praying for increased dependence. And the Apostle John, who recorded these words that we've read in the Gospel this morning, got it. He wrote in his first letter, chapter 5 and verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We, we need in the 21st century evangelical church to get over the Amazon mindset. This is not a promise that if we want anything, we just request it from God and it shows up at our doorstep the next day. It's a promise, rather, that as we grow in maturity, as we learn to pray for the things that bring gladness to the Father's heart, He'll hear us, and he'll answer us. In the natural realm, being mature means growing in our independence. But in our relationship with God, the very opposite is true. If you want spiritual maturity, don't resist God's pruning. His interference in your life by his word, teaching, admonishing, correcting, rebuking you, training you in righteousness. And his loving providence taking things out of your life, sometimes things that you really want, or bringing into your life sometimes things that you really don't want for your spiritual good, for your maturity, for your fruitfulness. If you want spiritual maturity, increase your dependence upon Christ. You, listen friends, you were never created to do life on your own. That's not how it works. That you've ever tried is at the foundation of your sin and separation from God. Christ came to redeem you, to reconcile you, to restore you to what you were created for, a life of dependence upon God. And lastly, if you want spiritual maturity, learn to pray properly. Paul said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And some people need to learn move past praying the way they did when they were six years old. Michael Rotondo needed to grow to maturity, and that meant decreasing his dependence upon his father. While physical and mental maturity means growing in our independence from our parents, spiritual maturity means growing in our dependence upon God. And Father, I pray for myself and for uh, everyone gathered here that you would help us to do just exactly that. Uh, Father, for myself, and I hope I speak for others gathered here, that in those uh, times and things where I've sought to do things 
according to my wisdom, by my will and my own strength. Lord, give me repentance for that and help me to grow in dependence upon you, to abide in Christ. Because it's not that I can do all things without Christ. It's not even that I can do very little without Christ. I can do nothing of any spiritual benefit without Christ. So, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us more of Christ. And help us to grow in our dependence upon you. For your glory, Lord, that we would show ourselves to be our Lord's disciples. Amen. Thank you.